brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, it's time for more suds. Hello and welcome to this suds episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts with a really bad British accent, good old boy Mike. You sounds sound like, like you're running from, from dingoes right now. <laughs> <laughs> it honestly gets worse every time you do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I am good old boy Mike. Joining me here at the table is good old boy Dave. Hello. <laughs> Even worse, <laughs> Reverend Mark. Hello. And our special co-host, good old boy Steve. Yo, 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 how are you doing? <laughs> Sounds good. Steve is a co-host of another broadcast called Beer O'Clock, uh, which is based in the UK, and we'll get to hear more about that show uh, at the end of this episode today. Our side segments are all about beer, beer, and more beer, and today we'll be discussing beers from Fuller's of London. And so, uh, to make things a bit interesting... Down just a bit. <clears throat> I've invited our host to talk in fake accents from England and vice versa for Steve. Now, Steve thinks that he can't turn on his best American, but I am betting with enough beer and time, everyone should sound utterly ridiculous by the end of this show. I'm quite convinced <laughs> of that. by the beginning of the show. <laughs> well, you know, yes. I mean, I turned on my best dingo right from the get-go, right, Dave? <laughs> so It was an epic fail right from the get-go. Now, we only have one other rule for this episode, and that is that Reverend Mark will be permitted only three Monty Python references during the show, which is one more than his usual. So, can you handle it? Answer me these questions. Three. (laughs) It's a complete waste of time. It is. It's going to be a complete waste of time. I'm quite certain of that. Steve is going to get the honors of going over our Suds ratings for today. Take it away, Steve. Okay, so at number one, you've got That Sucks, Give Me Anything But A Bud. Was Does he know what a bud is? I, I absolutely know what a bud is, and it's something <coughs> that I actively avoid every, in every pub that I'm in. Wow, that's too bad. Yeah, I actually know what InBev is. In <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah, all over it. Um, so we're on to number two now. Or we, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Was that a belch? Ah, what a relief. A body should not really make that sound. We say that to Dave on a regular basis. (laughs) (laughs) That's my wife. (laughs) Listen to that hang time, guys. Give me another. Absolutely. Brilliant. On to the rest of the show. Today's show is a brewery takeover episode. That was just brilliant. Brilliant, Steve. Steve. We'll be talking about beer from one brewery today, and that is going to be Fuller's. The beer we're going to be discussing today, there's three of them. And I'm talking in an Aussie accent once again, all the way from McLaren Vale. (laughs) (laughs) This is a Fuller's show, not a Foster's. (laughs) That's exactly right. 
so bad. See, if we brought on the Aussie guys at the same time we had Steve on, then I, it would be covered. So, <clears throat> still, it's horrible. Three bears we're going to talk about today. Fuller's ESB, Fuller's London Pride, and Fuller's London Porter, the three bears that we're going to go over. Now, let me <clears throat> discuss this whole thing about the accents. I have narrowed the scope of these accents down for each country. There are three that we should pull off for each country. The first and the most important one, American one, is from Brooklyn. You know, like Beastie Boys Brooklyn. Like, you know. Hey. 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 That's all you got to say. It's just, hey. hey. Vinny's going to live in Brooklyn, but he's also going to be from Jersey, too. He come across the bridge, you know, he talk to guys in, uh, yep, Brooklyn. So that's the first American accent. Uh, second, and it's a very fond and very close to us here at this table, so it's not very hard for us to pull this off, which is full Southern, full Alabama redneck. <laughs> everybody's just, just about right. That's basically what I sound like all the time. And everybody goes, y'all ain't speaking no English, are you? <laughs> I'm speaking English. It's Southern. We don't like your kind around here. You sure have a pretty beer. I like your queen. <laughs> Oh man, just, just we can't do that. <laughs> the last one is going to be uh, Texan, where everybody is slowing down just a little bit. Be talking Texan in the big wide open space. We got beer. There ain't no bad game. beer. It's just beer, boy. Drinking a Lone Star. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's your three choices there, Steve. Which one are you going to pick? Uh, uh, I, I might dip in and out of the three, depending on how much beer I've drunk. Oh, okay. There we go. So for uh, the Americans, uh, the British accents are the three that we have to pick from. And I'm probably going to be throwing in some Australian just yeah. to boot through this. You can count on it, apparently. <clears throat> the first one is London, which is pithy and poshy, and everyone talks like this, and up and down, and scope and scope, and they just go up and down, as the chin just bobs up and down. <laughs> wow. He if really you can hasn't only, had that much see Steve. In, in all my life, I've never heard a London accent like that. I really have. So you mean people really don't make their chin go up and down? No. Because it goes pithy and pushy and the chin goes up and down. All right. So uh, the second one is uh, Cockney English, or what I call full, full-blown full chimney sweep. So you're thinking uh, Dick Van Dyke. Step in time, step in time, everybody step in time. <laughs> Hang on, Dick Van Dyke was the worst Cockney accent in history. <laughs> that, that's been established. It's, it's really not right, the Dick Van Dyke actually, accent. Actually, Steve, I don't want to correct you, but after Mike today, I'm pretty sure Dick Van Dyke was the <laughs> yeah. second. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. The Cockney accent is nothing like that. Cockney accent is more like, all right, Trico, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, and I forgot to say, I have theme songs for each of these. So the first, London is, I mean, you have to have, you know, God Save the Queen for, uh, you know, London accents. That's what you're going to hear. Go ahead, stand Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, the theme song for Cockney is going to be the boys uh, from Queen. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the bandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Galileo Figaro. Magnifico! All right, <clears throat> 
And the last accent <clears throat> that I, I think we're going to have to pull off from England is obviously going to have to be the boys from Liverpool because everything is going swishy and swashy in Liverpool. How about you doing a little love, lovely me do from the boys of the Beatles? Dead British dog. <laughs> I'm quite convinced that having the Procter accent is going to help Dave enjoy all this beer all the better. At least he won't get confused about where the beer is from today. Well, I have decided I will do a French accent because the English and the Americans both agree that no one deserves mockery more than the French. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We will definitely agree that. The French actually suck more. <clears throat> well, uh, it's great that uh, we're going to get to uh, talk about Fuller's today. And I want to give you a bit more of some background on Fuller's. While talking in my favorite pithy, poshy London accent here, as Steve just wants to cringe onto the rug <laughs> as I'm bobbing my head up in the <laughs> All right, maybe I'll get through some of this. I doubt it. <clears throat> Beer has been made in the part of capital for more than 350 years. Now, dating back to the era of Arvel or Cromwell, back then it was quite common for large households to brew their own beer. Oh, the Odor. <clears throat> in a letter to his brother in 1828... Henry Thompson boasted of increasing sales from 8,000 to 24,000 barrels. Things continued to head in the right way, and in 2013, we sold at Fuller's over 334,000 barrels of beer. John Fuller was a wealthy country gentleman who did not talk anything like this, and he jumped at the chance to come aboard, investing primarily on the behalf of his son. He soon bought one of the Thompsons out, and within a couple of years, found himself the majority shareholder at the brewery. In 1839, John Fuller died and passed control to his son, John Bird Fuller. Now, who would name their kid Bird? Seriously. <clears throat> Larry Bird. That he, He's from America. He doesn't count. Seriously, have you heard of another English person with the name Bird? I, I can't say that. It's, it's a name that's uh, popular over here. There you go. I agree. Let's just say that that sucks. I think it sucks. I think, I think it sucks. sucks. I, I think, think it, it really, sucks. really sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, what would you call him? That's kind of harsh. <laughs> no, I thought about name, this. Man. I can, I can hear, you know, his mother going, "Here, Jay Bud. Here, Jay Bud. <laughs> Jay Bud. Come here, boy." <laughs> <laughs> All right. The younger fella moved quickly to make his mark <laughs> by 1845. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I can get through He's this. not going to make it, folks. Not. He's <clears throat> not going to make it. <laughs> okay, all right. The younger fella moved quickly to make his hawk in the 1845. He severed ties with the Pishy Pothy Thompsons to make the rings by himself. 
following incorporation, a wave of acclaimed ales came out of the brewery. Chesick Bitter arrived on the scene in 1930, and into the 1950s, London Pride took center stage. Then, in 1971, ESB was launched. <clears throat> Thank goodness. Um, so it's a little bit about Fuller's, and uh, I am quite confident that after hearing most of this, that we have been banned from Fuller's. <laughs> it, it's possible. We <laughs> <laughs> may be banned from England. Which is exactly yeah, what we're yeah. aiming for. Hospitals, all the time. hospitals <laughs> revoked. <laughs> I can hear them going, please don't admit that. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, Steve, I know that uh, you've actually spent some time uh, in an extensive interview, which your audience and our audience can go back and catch, from Beer O'Clock with John Keeling, who is the brewing director at Fuller's. So what else is there about Fuller's uh, that we, uh, we missed in that overview, other than basically anything that was understandable? Yeah. Well, I... I in a, in a nutshell, John John Keeling's been been with Brewers for thir- um, been with Fullers for thirty odd years now, and and he gave us quite a few hours of his time a few months back to talk about the history, and um, yes, they've they've been brewing on the site in London for uh, around about three hundred and fifty years. There's been a Fullers presence on on that site. Um, they they first launched their own Fuller's beer in, in 1829 and then in 1845 they um, got involved with the Smith and Turner fam- families as well so Fuller Smith and Turner um, have been brewing on that site for many a year um, Smith and Turner not so much involved anymore but it's very much now Fuller's is a family business and, and as you say London Pride launched in 1959 is there probably most popular beer around the world now that, that they export and produce in, in London. Um, and then, as you also mentioned, 1971, they released the ESB, which is their extra special bitter. And uh, John is very, very clear in, in terms of saying that ESB as a style of beer didn't exist before Fuller's released it. So Fuller's were the first brewery to release <coughs> an ESB, and therefore um, John's view is is that you can't get more craft than actually inventing your own style. So therefore Fuller's are the original craft brewery because they invented their own style of beer. Huh. What uh. what, do you, what drove that? Was it a certain bittering hop that they cultivated? Is that what kind of drove that, guys? It, it was a number of things. It was it was uh, a move towards. I, I suppose at that time, 1971, was when you had um, the, the, the the resurgence of sort of fizzy beers. You, you, you know, the mass-produced beers were beginning to come into um, popular culture, and at that point, Fuller's wanted to almost regain what was special about bitters and owls and proper you know multi beers so therefore the, the the ESB was was launched at that time hmm. I wonder if that was uh, cask only and I wonder how different it probably tasted because carbonation wasn't introduced um, probably until the 50s is that about right guys <clears throat> so I, I really wonder what is the difference you know between that original ESB and the the one that we have yeah, you know yeah. here in the bottle you know yeah. that uh, is probably a slightly different beer and i'm sure they've had to adjust you know based on the introduction of the co2 uh you know through time as well 
So, the most important question I had, though, Steve, is, is there anyone with the middle name Bird at Fuller's? I, I don't <laughs> believe there is, no. <laughs> I think wow. it should be a requirement. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like uh, John John Booty from, you know. <laughs> Every generation <laughs> should have a bird in their middle name. Well, his yes. name was John, so I just figured, I'm John Bird Keeley. Yeah. So, <laughs> just, I'm, I'm John Bird this, I'm John Bird that. I think you just have the whole name go around. In order to work at Fuller's, you've got to change your name. <clears throat> well, it's, uh, it's really great. I appreciate the overview on Fuller's. And it is great to taste such a historic and uh, storied beer uh, from uh, England as well. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go around and talk about these three beers, offer up our tasting notes, and rate our uh, each of these beers with our Suds ratings. Up first is going to be Reverend Mark, and we're going to go over London Pride. It's going to be the first beer that we're going to go over. Reverend Mark, what do you think about this beer? All right. Well, this takes me back to the early early 90s when the Sherlock Holmes <coughs> pub first opened. Hmm. And um, this was on tap, and you got to enjoy this uh, with a perpetual loop. Uh, in those days, it was still VHS of the Goonies and Benny Hill. <laughs> That's, borderline. Wow. Back, That's borderline. That's borderline. Back to it? back. <laughs> <laughs> it was owned by British ex some expats, uh, a guy named John and his uh, daughter Elizabeth Beast. Uh, <laughs> wow! Wow! Man, <laughs> we're making friends left yeah, and right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just hold, hold it right there. <laughs> you, you can't come into the country. You got a France, not here, right? <laughs> and then there was there were darts and a snooker table, which was, as you know, invented by the British Army when uh, they owned India, uh, <coughs> and. Um, so I got intro- introduced to real beer for the first time. As we know, since the repeal of prohibition in America, all we have had is near beer until real beer That's came sure. around. And uh, so London Pride, at least for me, was, was my first uh, sort of journey into flavor. Mm. And uh, for, for a beer that is quaffable, is uh, light, it still has some some complexity that's uh, to this day worth commenting on. So, I love it, and uh, the fuller yeast is very distinctive as well. What's your suds rating on this? I'll <clears throat> give this one a three. How about that? <clears throat> ah, what a relief! As most of our audience is saying the same thing. <laughs> Dave, what do you think about London Pride here? Well, um, I, I think this is a great beer to to demonstrate what a what a good session beer, a good session ale can be. Um, something where you can just go and you can get a spot at the bar and keep your seat and just have a nice drinking session. Uh, good malt and bitter balance. Uh, shows a lot of restraint in in both. And it's, uh, it, it's just a very drinkable beer. Um, I would give London Pride... A four. Wow. <clears throat> a four. How about that? Uh, uh, a body should really not make that sound. <clears throat> Steve, what do you think about London Pride? What are your tasting notes? London Pride's an interesting beer for us guys over here because it, it, it was very much, um, it was designed in a different era from where we are now when, when people used to go to the pub and they used to drink pint after pint after pint after work. And so it was designed with drinkability in mind. 
um, which was probably the most important thing that, that, that Fuller's had in mind when they produced this beer. Um, and when, when we interviewed John uh, a few months back, he said that you, you don't really don't begin to appreciate London Pride, Pride until you're a quarter of the way down your third pint and heading in, <laughs> right, into right. your fourth pint of this beer. That's when it really so you're be, not comes into its own. Mental faculties is an important <laughs> aspect of consuming this particular beer. So, you know, for us, it's it's kind of it, it's Fuller's most produced produced beer. It it's the beer that's drunk most around the world by people in in terms of Fuller's. Um, for me, yes, it's a. It's kind of it's got that Fuller's yeast. It's got that Fuller's malt backbone to it. There's there's a little bit of drinkability in that, but for me, I've I've got to go for a three on this. Ah, ah. <coughs> about that. Ah, what a relief. Well, we're gonna say that your Alabama accent sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, London Pride. So. London Pride is a pithy, poshy, pasteurized <laughs> beer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, you guys didn't do it. <laughs> so somebody has to pull <laughs> off the show. There was a reason. I know. <laughs> it's a pithy, poshy London Pride. Mm, it's a very good beer. And, you know, the one thing that struck me more than anything, other than this really horrible way that I'm sounding right now, is... It's very, it's like a malt factory in my mouth. It just goes on and on and on and on. And it's just extraordinary how this beer has so much malt in it. Sessionable is an understatement. I failed to mention some of the key characteristics of this beer. Other than it being made by Fuller's, the ABV on this is 4.7%. So it is definitely considered a sessionable beer and is classified as a premium bitter ESB. So if you are looking for a malt factory in your mouth, Pick up a London's Pride. You'll be very, very happy. I'm going to give this a Suds rating of three. Ah, what's a relief? All right, that covers two of our beers here. And uh, we're going to take a quick segment break and be right back with our next beer from Fuller's. Welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. I am one of your hosts here, good old boy Mike. It's a pithy, poshy day here as we're discussing fullers of London and all things British. We must caution you that we are talking in really bad fake British accents for the duration of this episode if you happen to have muted us during the first segment. We thank you for coming back with us as we discuss more Fuller's beer. <clears throat> okay, so the next beer that we're going to have up is going to be Fuller's ESB. Uh, I failed to read the uh, the background on this the first time. This time I'm going to get it uh, before it gets around. So this is also considered a premium bitter ESB. Uh, it is from England, uh, made by Fuller's. The ABV on this is 5.9%. Hey, Steve, do you know uh, a little bit about the distribution of Fuller's? I mean, I know we can get it here in the States, but... Uh, um, how how broad is their distribution? Do you have any idea? 
very obviously very popular in London, um, being where they're based. Um, there are a number of uh, pubs in in London that they own, which distribute the Fuller's beers. Um, you can probably find them around the country as as well. Um, London Pride, probably the most recognisable of the brands, um, which is available in the Weatherspoons chain, which is something that is all over the the, the UK, and you can probably find it across Europe as well in in terms of the, the London Pride availability. Um, I, I mean, I'm I was actually quite keen to, to ask you the same question in terms of what's the the availability of Fuller's like in the states. It's available in Brooklyn. <laughs> and in Alabama and definitely in Texas boy <laughs> yep you know it's uh it's pretty broadly available uh you know I have to say that um these these particular three beers that we picked today that was part of the reason why I wanted to pick them is because they are so widely available mm-hmm. um there were there was one beer that uh Mark and I were talking about yesterday um the eighteen fifty four is that right <clears throat> No, 1845. I forgot. 47. 47. 45. 45. 40, that's right. 18, 1845, yeah. Somewhere right. in the mid-1800s. <laughs> oh, boys, don't get your dates all bass Actually, that's, there. that's my favorite, <laughs> and I should know that. Yeah, that is, uh, that. that's the one beer that uh, I would have to say that we, when we think about going back and probably enjoying this, um, that would probably be a beer that we would easily swing back and, and uh, have... Now, <clears throat> one beer that we've had uh, is is the London Porter, and we had a big porter show, uh, Steve. We had about, I don't know, 27 porters in a double-blind tasting, and that was one of the porters that we had in there, mainly because it's a, it's a reference standard uh, in the BJCP guidelines, um, and that was one beer that I wanted to put in there to say when people think about porter, they should that should be... One of the beers that should be ringing all the bells in terms of the style guidelines. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it's uh, fairly available. On tap, I don't know. I see a lot of these on tap. How about you guys? I don't. I don't know that I've seen a whole lot of. Um, there's a couple of places in in Nashville where you. I know you can get London Pride and the ESB. I don't know about the Porter. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of uh, tap contention here in the U.S. right now with craft beer uh, industry and. Um, you know, the fact that these are not MBEV products, it's a lot of yeah. contention, you know, for carrying what is uh, generally a historic, you know, beer and ale. So for I the think other that's 10% of the market that right. they leave behind. Yeah. Uh, I'll have that Fuller's craft beer. <laughs> yeah, and there's just such a, a flood in the local market on pale ales. India pails, and even you know variation supporters. So it's it's just yeah. really you know trying to compete for tap space. Hmm. It's, it's it's getting more difficult. All right, Reverend Mark, <clears throat> let's uh, swing back around to talk about Fuller's ESP in your best British. In my best British, no, I, I, it's not. It's not good. It's not good at all. It's like a direct inbreeding no. between somebody from <laughs> Wales and Alabama. <laughs> It's just not happening. My my genetic ancestry is Scottish. It is Scottish. Um, for me, the ESB. Oh, when I first started brewing fourteen years ago, this was a clone recipe that I came across, and uh, I would brew this at least once a year. Now I don't know if it really uh, 
gets all the parameters. I'm sure it doesn't with the Fuller's company. Uh, but w- one thing that um, that always kept me coming back to this beer was the the, the way the grist uh, uh, was uh, slightly more complex. With uh, in in addition to, of course, the Maris Otter is the uh, the base malt uh, and and crystal malt. Uh, we, we would use flaked maize in a biscuit malt or an aromatic type malt. And then as compared to the London Pride, there were more uh, there were more hop additions and more kinds of hops. So you'd have Target, Challenger, East Kent Golding. And so it was just layered. Uh, so for me, the SB and then the 1845, I think even takes it a step further, is uh, you know, still a, a very much a benchmark uh, that I go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I haven't brooded in a few years. <clears throat> so what's your so, sense rating on this? I'm going to give this one a four. A four? Uh, uh, the body should really not make that sound. Well, uh, great uh, description there of uh, Fuller's ESB. Dave, what do you think about uh, Fuller's ESB? Well, as often happens when I go after Mark, he's already said all the stuff I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> and it actually sounds legitimate when he says it. So. But if you would... <laughs> pick your best british fake accent i'm sure it would sound more credible yeah (laughs) well if i had to i guess i would say that it's a very multi complex ale um with just the right touch of bitter um so yeah i i kind of bounce back and forth whenever i go there's a place that I, I go here in Nashville quite a bit, uh, and they have both London Pride and the ESB on tap. And so I tend to go back and forth and kind of bounce uh, from one to the other. Um, I, I think both of them have a lot of the, um, you know, the, the, the malt backbone uh, and, the, and the level of balance that goes into making them that I, I find... Uh, are true representations of British ales. And so I would also give this one a four. Mm, How about that? Uh, A body should really not make that sound. Steve, what do you think about uh, Fuller's ESB and your best Brooklyn? (laughs) (laughs) Or Alabama. Well, I I, I think that the Fuller's is uh, um, (laughs) that the beers are balanced on the drinkability of their beers, um, which are very... I'm coming across very Australian here rather than, than, than American. Um, it's kind of southern. So, southern, anyway, southern hemisphere. Um, their yeah. beers are very well balanced and they're, they're, they're drinkable and they're, they keep you interested all the way to the bottom of their beer. Um, this one, for me, it's um, it's a go-to beer. If I, if I see this on the, the bar... Um, if it's on cask, it's something I'll try time and time again. I, I, I love the ESB. It's a, it's a really good example of what English beer can be all about. Uh, and for me, this is a, this is a three. Hmm. <clears throat> again, ah, what a relief. Thank you, Steve. All right. Fuller's ESB uh, in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Good day, sport. No, we have to whip out a little bit of the Liverpool 
And they'll just talk about the Fuller's ESB where everything is slithering and slithing. The first thing that I found about the Fuller's ESB is it's very tame. It has a sweet lemon tart kind of thing going on. And it's very surprising because up here in Liverpool, we like things that are just a little bit slithering and sliding across the tongue all the time. So I love uh, Reverend Mark's uh, comments about the uh, the referenceable uh, hops profile and Mira Sata in this with a crystallized uh, ginger and it's just that's what is just so uh, remarkable and distinctive about everything in the Fuller ZSB. So uh, the thing that I love about this is we again today we're going to get to sample two considered referenceable beers here in the Liverpool area where everything is pissy and, and slithering and sliding across our tongue. So for this Suds rating, uh, we're going to give this one a three as well, which is uh, what a relief that good old boy Mike will start talking like he's from even remotely from Liverpool. <coughs> well, there we have uh, two beers down and uh, we have one more to go here. Thank goodness is what most of our audience is saying right about now. <laughs> so uh, the last beer we're going to get to talk about is uh, Fuller's London Porter. Uh, Reverend Mark, what do you think about uh, this? Oh, man. Another nostalgic journey for me. I first came across the London Porter when I flew into Heathrow on my way to the Ministry of Silly Walks. <laughs> wow. And I did hear that this beer was immortalized in a church song in which they sang, Every ale is sacred, every <laughs> ale is great. For every ale that's wasted, God gets quite irate. <laughs> The Holy Grail. <laughs> every every beer is sacred. Every beer is green. <laughs> every beer is needed Steve, in the neighborhood. <laughs> I, I left and I've come back. It's, so the whole time I think Steve is just ready to crawl under a table and he's hollering out to his, his, you know, his wife going, Honey, come here, listen to these Americans. They have no idea what they are saying. They sound pitiful. <laughs> Back to you, Reverend Mark, on, on London Porter here. Yes, but I think the London Porter for me is the benchmark. I've been using this word a lot, but the London Porter gives roast chocolate and just that underlying good British malt uh, of a uh, a veritable playground in your on your palate. You just you really pick up on the roastiness, the brown malts. Uh, it's still below what would be considered a high gravity ale, at least here in America. And uh, for me, I could just drink one after the other, after the other, after the other, until I would have to exclaim, my brain hurts. <laughs> <clears throat> What's your suds rating then on London's uh, 
uh, porter. This really is the benchmark beer, so I'm going to give it a five just for being that. Oh, yeah. Totally. <clears throat> Listen to that hang time. Give me another. Dave uh, Fuller's London Porter. What do you think about this? Well, so when I, I have not had uh, London Porter as much as I've had the other two. And it's, uh, you know, I'll copy Revermark. Yeah, it's a, it's a benchmark for the porter. And when I drink this and I think about all of the really big, uh, crazy flavored American <coughs> porters, mocha porters, java mm, porters, yeah. coffee porters, bourbon barrel aged porters, strawberry porters, you know, cold porter. Oh, yeah. come on now. Um, it it just reminds you that uh, just need to cut his I mic know. off. <laughs> He's actually talking into the mic today too. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think this just goes to show you that there's nothing that English can do very well that Americans can't just really take and go overboard with and just totally blow the whole damn thing up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> The Americanization um, of beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes screwing out with simplicity has its consequences, and I think that's a good a good point, you know, yeah. with this beer. So I, I keep saying about all three of the ones we've tried today, uh, restraint, balance, uh, you know, using words like that. This is very indicative of what you can do just by brewing a simple beer very well. Um, and I would give this one a four. Nobody uh, <clears throat> should really not make that sound. Well, <clears throat> so uh, the question uh, to two of you, we happen to have easy access and actually know the background on what is considered probably one of the best porters here in the U.S. here at Blackstone Brewery mm. um, that has won the gold medal at GBF like eight years in a row. And uh, I wish I'd actually brought a bottle of that along so that we could have it right alongside this but you, i know you've both had the porter mm-hmm. yeah the, know, the saint the saint charles times. porter yeah. yeah i mean do you think that it's an american americanization uh, or bastardization of this i think or do you think that it's similar. just a very good uh, clone yeah, i think they're very similar in that they are just a well-balanced beer that you know um that fit the style very yeah. well. I would differentiate. I think that the uh, the London Porter uh, would be, to me, more of a a mild porter. It mm. would be a little bit more on the mi- the mild side, whereas the St. Charles Porter is definitely a robust. It's bigger. Yeah, it's <clears throat> just a bigger beer. Yeah. The roastiness around it is a bit more evident. Right. I think the the ABV the ABV uh, on the uh, St. Charles is a little bit higher. Yeah, too, so. probably. <clears throat> well, one thing I noticed that Steve was doing um, while we were talking here is that we're sitting here and we're sipping and tasting cups. Steve grabs a pint, pounds down about half the glass. <laughs> yes, so that's my guy right there. Yeah, no. So this is a really interesting characteristic about getting that full mouth, you know, full feel. Or frankly, it just needs more beer here, you know, today than just sipping, you know, an ounce at a time. Steve, what do you think about uh, London Porter here from Fuller's? Uh, for me, the London the London Porter is one of my absolute favourite beers from from Fuller's. Um, it, it's very very clear that in terms of the 
that the, the heritage of breweries in London, you, you, you can't be a London brewer unless you produce the porter, mm. be it because it's a style that originated in London. It was bastardised by the Irish. It was turned into stouts. <laughs> the, 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 the stout we porter really argument like will go on. We totally love that. We're going to steal that time and yeah. time again. See, we thought it was it, the it, Russians, but no, you have clarified. No, it. no, it, it was it was the <clears> Irish. They took the, the they took the porter style. They they created a beer called the the stout porter they then took it as their own as a stout and essentially the as i say the the stout porter argument will go on and on and on but it's a style that originated in london and for me this is a beer that it, it just absolutely typifies the the the, the style it, it it's a beer that from fuller's perspective they started as a, uh, as a car scale that, that that was available um it was dying on its backside and it was it was your market guys it was the american market that saved this beer huh. if it wasn't for the us they they wouldn't have continued brewing this beer it was the us that really embraced this beer they hardly sold any of these in the uk I like that. We, they, ex, you saved music ex, and we saved the porter <laughs> yeah. you your, your export sales went our export sales went through the roof because of you guys um and and this beer just just for me it typifies the style what you get in there is you get you, you get big coffee aromas you, you taste it it comes through on the flavor it comes through on the aftertaste you get that bitterness that you want from a nice short sharp espresso i i don't think you can do much better than the Fuller's London Porter in terms of this style in the UK right now. Would, would you say historically that the Porter is the sort of the quintessential working man's beer? I think so, yes. I, I, I think it's the, it, it's the beer that certainly you would go to if it's, if it's on in the bar, you're going to want it. It's, uh, I mean, at 5.4%, it's a... In, in terms of the percentage of, of, of beers these days, it's a fairly <coughs> sessionable beer. Um, you, you know, you can go back to this time and time again. It's generally, when you see it in a bar in the UK, it's served on keg. So it, it, it's served in a, a, as a cold beer as well. And again, that's something that, that, that you guys have really embraced with this beer. You, the, the, the Americans really love this beer cold. And, and, and we do too. And it's something that you go to time and time again. I would happily take a, a 5.5% porter cold in the middle of summer against the, the best hop forward IPA that could be produced mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it will work I like that. It, it's yeah. an absolute perfect balance and Which, I like to start with it cold and then just let it warm up because yeah. then it, it just it evolves opens up. Yeah. 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 oh the flavours change you, yeah. you, you begin to get chocolate towards the end of it um, that bitter sweetness of a dark chocolate mm-hmm. for, for me this is um if I had to, to pin a badge on it in terms of what's the best Fuller's beer available right now, Lond- for me, London Porter outshines the rest of them time and time again. Yeah. So what's your suds rating for uh, London Porter going to be? For me, this is a four. Oh, four, huh? Nice. <clears throat> I thought I should really not make that sound. Well, fantastic. Um, Why well, I, uh, I had a chance to uh, have London Porter uh, call it. What's it going to be? Cockney? London? 
or Liverpool? London, I don't think we're going London, to London Governor. It's London. London, isn't it? Governor. London. Governor. Okay, Governor. London Governor. I'll be talking like I'm from London, and we'll be talking Governor. <coughs> so London. Not, not in the South African accent. Thank no. you. I appreciate it. London accent. Mate. I'm probably going to be drifting between countries here and there. Continents. <coughs> Continents. <coughs> so. Uh, it's all good beer. It's all good. Beer. Oh. Uh, up off all right uh <clears throat> so um the one thing that i love about uh london's porter is again we're, we really get the chance to sample something that i consider a reference beer when people say what should a porter taste like mm-hmm. this is the one thing that is held up time and time again and i'm really glad that this is part of our conversation today um, you know the the phrase that I always use when we're talking about porter is a tootsie roll. Um, it uh, it's it's just something about the uh, caramelization and the sugar content within a dark t- uh, tootsie roll that is very close to what I think of. You know when when you're really talking about a porter, and so a lot of times when I'm talking about porters, I'm talking about in in relationship to that particular taste profile. In fact. What I wrote down was a bitter Tootsie Roll, Hmm. which is just a very simple three words, you know, for me, exactly what this is. The thing I like about it is, is that the the bittering in this is not overt. It's not invasive and it's such well and so well balanced. And there's something about just a simple uh, element about the finish on this is it's uh, a little bit dry. Um, It's not astringent. It's not. But. All these things and just this wonder, wonderful, you know, subtle harmony, you know, about it is what I really love, you know, about this beer. Um, so uh, here in in the studio today, we've we've had the beer out for a little bit, and it's kind of um, it's almost nearly at uh, room temperature at this point. And um, you're right, it has opened up, and I, I love the way that Reverend Mark described, you know, the way that <clears throat> you know have it served cold, and then actually enjoy the element of you know the beer kind of opening up, you know, as it kind of warms up as well, and so. Um, this is a this is a really great beer. You know, if, if I were probably trapped in in a, in a place and I didn't know what to to order, and I saw this on the menu, and I was definitely you know in the mood for a porter, I'd have no no problem ordering this uh, hands down. My suds rating for Fuller's London Porter is going to be a four. The body should really not make that sound. So uh, a really great beer uh, all the way around, and uh, it was a real joy talking about these beers from Fuller's. Well, we're going to take a quick segment break here. Then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about uh, beer in each of our respective markets, just kind of a free-form discussion. And uh, so come right back. Thanks for coming back to Sips, Suds and Smokes here in the fake British accents that we have today for a show about fillers. And uh, we've had a good time talking about these three beers and so I thought that we'd spend a minute and just kind of chat with our chaps, you know, across the pond and talk about beer in general. So uh, I guess one of the things I really enjoy about having uh, Steve, you know, here on the show with us today is um, we get to talk, you know, with people in the, you know, in the beer industry all the time, and you know, from 
a broad range of countries as well. And so um, the, that's what I really love about having you know Steve here on today is that he's really seen you know the craft beer market kind of evolving you know there in the UK and and we've watched you know things really kind of explode you know here in the U.S. as well. So uh, I guess it was one thing you said earlier, uh, Steve, was you know that uh, uh, hoppy IPAs were you know very prevalent you know kind of in as a, as a summer seasonal. I guess that would be kind of the first question that I wanted to throw out you know to um, you know, to everybody here is: Do you think that um, the seasonal aspects of the way that a lot of breweries are kind of approaching beers is that something that's indicative geographically or do you think that that is just a way of basically driving products you know through a cycle that have an element of time around it what do you think well i think historically seasonal beers made sense i don't know that it makes any sense anymore i mean we have refrigeration (laughs) you know so i mean like the maibach for instance you know was introduced at a time after it had been lagering in caves you know in the early spring and then you had your oktoberfest so i mean i I think there and there are certain beers that are maybe more palatable during certain times of the year Mm -hmm. we might think you know i mean a, a light crisp wheat type beer in the middle of the summer a lawnmower beer you know yeah. sorts boat beers yeah lawnmower beers yeah uh but i think it's the latter i think right now that you know a lot of the seasonal aspect it, maybe the holiday season with the spice is something that's still peculiar to this time of the year but i think a lot of times it's just uh, a marketing ploy hmm. i'm a bit of a cynic about that steve how how about it for you i mean you find that seasons drive you know production schedules at breweries i I, I don't think so no i think a lot of it comes down to individual tastes so you you know porters and ipas will be available throughout the year um but personally for me i i will really enjoy the palaos ipas double ipas probably until i get to about October, November sort of time, and then I don't know what it is, but my body starts to crave a darker beer, so I'll start moving into porter and stout territory, I'll drink those throughout the winter, and then again coming into February, March sort of time, I'll be looking for something to bring me out of my beer hibernation, almost, where I've been drinking these dark beers, and I've been wrapped up in these lovely dark flavours, and then all of a sudden I want something to awaken me. I, I, I've gone on record a number of times to say that I am, I'm, I'm IPA-centric, so my go-to beer is, is an IPA, or it's a double IPA, mm. or it's an imperial IPA, or it's a yeah. treble IPA, or it's something that's been hopped to within an inch of its life. <laughs> yeah. But ev- even in the midst of winter, I will shun those beers for something that's dark and warming and gives me something that would just cuddle me up on the sofa until I go to sleep um, it, it, I, I don't think the breweries are particularly playing to that I think they will brew beers dependent on the ingredients that are available to them in, in the UK there are a lot of breweries in the UK right now that are brewing incredibly good beers throughout the year some of them are seasonal and some of them are just their standard beers that they will produce time and time again mm. Mm. we're really fortunate to have what is one of the most passionate people about English beers here at the table and Dave is it really you know this is a style of beer that he loves to brew on a a regular basis I mean um, uh, Dave's Brown is uh, is is really one of the a great beer 
one of our most popular shows that we've had is a beer that we actually talked about that's made with Heather. And uh, so, Dave, when you think about these style of English shells, I mean, where do you kind of think all this is going right now for people that are making, you know, English style ales? Well, um, you know, I, I think that as a whole, the craft beer scene is probably going back more towards session beers um you know for the last few years we've gone bigger bigger hoppier stronger beers um until you get to the point where every other beer you drink is a palate wrecker Hmm. um or it's you know it's a barley wine by another name you know you can call it a triple ipa but if it's nine percent you know you're drinking a barley wine yeah at that point um what i like about the um you know the 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 milds the bitters um porters is that you know it's kind of like what we were saying earlier that you know there's nothing that the british can do well that americans can't come up come in and screw up you know we'll we'll take it you know we'll jack up the abv we'll throw a, a lot more hops in it you know we'll do just, a lot of those things just double it yeah, yeah just double, double everything exactly double it and then double it again yeah it's exactly. all the holy grail it's about going after the best i agree um and that's kind of the american way i guess you know but to me you have to look at where things come from you know and all the all the ipas and all the pails and you know all these different things that we're you know putting in barrels and throwing fruit and you know nuts in and and, you know coffee and just you know whatever crap you can find the yard (laughs) you know it all comes from somewhere and and it all fresh craft ingredients (laughs) (laughs) and it all comes from you know from england you know loggers you can say they come from Germany for the most part and that sort of thing. Um, Czech Republic. But, uh, you know, a good ale is a beautiful thing. And it doesn't have to have, you know, enough hops in there to, to blow your m- mouth off, right? It can be balanced. It can be clean. And that's what I like about English ales. And I think as people... You know all the beer nerds and hipsters out there if they is they really come back around to learning what a good beer is it's about balance and that's that's what english ales are to me and i think that's going to be more uh of what people are going to look for in these session beers and you know and i'd like to ask steve what has the american beer scene What's the impact been on England now in your beer scene? That, that's a great question because I, I think what, what the American scene has done has it's reinvigorated the, the, the UK brewing scene. We, we've started to look at what we're brewing and taking styles that the Americans have... Let, let's be fair, you, you've originally taken from the UK styles, you've made it better and bigger and bolder and you've put that into a package and we've gone you know what actually the americans are doing beers better than we should be doing so let's take that back 
and I think what you're getting now in the UK is breweries that are saying actually that the, the beers that we can produce are are better than what they can produce in the states, and it's it's almost just like this cycle that's going round and round and round and round and. Right now, where we're at in the UK is the, 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 the it's an, and it's an interesting term you use there in terms of session beers. The, the the session beer in the UK in the last year has probably gone from being a four percent pale ale to being a five and a half percent IPA. That's now the UK session beer is a five and a half percent IPA. And we're now saying, well, what what can we do? What that's better than that, and bigger than that, and we're we're now producing those beers, and we're saying, here's here's your next beer, here's here's the next UK's craft beer, and they're being produced, and people are loving them, and they're lapping them up, and they're 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 almost to a point, and and I think there's a movement now in terms of saying, well, actually. What are the US going to do next? Because we, we've taken back that IPA style. The, the, the UK have taken back the IPA, and it's now our own. Mm-hmm. To, 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 to America, what are you going to do now that, that's going to counteract that? And, and I know that there's, there's, there's a lot of people that are saying the next thing that US breweries are start going to start producing are those sessionable woody twiggy IPAs that were originally um, based in the UK that, that, that have got that brown earthy flavors to them and 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 that's where you you guys are going next why why we're just going to continue producing these great beers that everybody wants to drink Steve I'd, I'd be curious also to know whether or not the British are now developing other kinds of hop strains so that as you reclaim the IPA, it works in a better way. Uh, we, we are absolutely looking at that. We are working with hop farmers in the UK to, to look at how we can develop hybrid hops that have got some of the flavors that you guys can produce over there in the states that the weather will allow you to produce that our you know the, the uk traditional weather won't allow us to produce um you know there are styles that are coming out now and, and no for instance that Brewdog are looking at developing their own hop that they can only use in their beers and it's like yeah it's it's like what can we do with the hops that are native to the uk that will begin to challenge the big citrusy flavors that that, that we get from u.s beers <laughs> it's a natural uh, part of the show hop, hop, <laughs> hop hiccup in the middle there yeah cheers <laughs> absolutely Well, let's uh, wrap things up for today. Just really great stuff all the way around on uh, Fuller's. Thanks to all of our listeners here at Sips, Suds, and Smokes. You want me to read this in a British accent, guys? No. No. No, no you're fine. <laughs> you carry on. <laughs> How about Australia? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch all of our episodes, which are far better than this, online on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement, and Spreaker, our native media host in the UK. 
Our uh, terrestrial radio station hosts are always expanding. And if you'd like to hear this show on your favorite radio station, send them a note, send them a point, and copy us as well. You can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Dave now has fan mail, and you can reach Dave at leave the cork in at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day at, at SipsudSmokes is our handle on Facebook. And our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. Listen, do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a great big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Well, I want to thank uh, all of my co-hosts for today. Um, Steve, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Beer Clock. I really enjoyed listening to your show and your other uh, colleague that's on there. I believe, uh, what, Mark? Mark. You have a yes. Mark on your end. Yep. Yes. Yep. How about that? M- Mark and I have been going for a couple of years now. We're, into, uh, we're about to launch season six in February. Um, you can catch us on beerclockshow.co.uk. That's where you'll find everything that we're up to. Uh, we're also on Twitter at beerclockshow. We're on Instagram at beerclockshow as well. Send us your bit pics of your best beer porn. That's what we want to see on on Instagram. Um, <laughs> you can check us out on Untapped. Uh, you can find me at beerclockshowsteve. You can find Mark at Roku. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, as well you can download all the episodes of the show uh via those two mediums and um yeah we're just uh we're just there we're um basically raising the flag for the beer podcast in the uk well i'd like to think this is first of uh, many collaborative shows that we'll get to have together because uh, so. yes. uh, uh beer is a universal language and uh we love uh, talking about beer and talking about beer or rating beer dave <laughs> Please help me. <laughs> we love drinking beer too. Yeah, apparently, right, yeah. <laughs> drinking a little too much. Anyway, uh, I really look forward to a lot more shows with uh, Steve and Mark and uh, beer clock fans uh, enjoying some sips, suds, and smokes shows, as well as uh, letting our audience uh, have more uh, exposure to beer clock as well. Because we only get to talk about a tenth of probably all the beer that we could ever even get to. So uh, a lot of a lot of room to talk about uh, a lot of a lot of stuff in this space so steve thank you very much for being here thank you for having me on this evening it's been the highlight of my week (laughs) that's a rough week wow man (laughs) you faked it well that's my catchphrase i'm 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 there i was gonna i was gonna go for put a cork in it which is someone's catchphrase on your side yeah Um, but i went for my own catchphrase which is highlight of my week stole stole it from dave thank you for being here Leave that cool <laughs> Reverend Mark, thanks for being here. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Very good. Listen, this is good old boy Mike asking you to keep up the, the top and uh, keep on sipping. Cheerio. This has been a one-tan-hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.